two dudes, one microphone, absolutely zero calves. Welcome to Team No Cavs Radio with your hosts, Ali and Adam. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 11 of Team No Cars Radio with your hosts, Ollie Carson and Adam Boyd Brown. And it's been a while, but we're really excited to get stuck into this episode where we're going to be discussing returning to training from injury um, and some topics on muscle memory and what you can expect in the kind of weeks preceding um, an injury and getting back into training and, and what kind of happens. Um, and it's something that uh, Adam and I are really interested in and something that's really quite relevant to both of us currently. Uh, probably more so Adam at the minute um, because he's actually back from injury now. Um, so I'll, I'll hand you over to Adam and he can kind of talk you guys through what it is exactly he's gone through and going through currently and then we can get um, a bit more in depth with the kind of science of what's happening when we return from injury. Yeah, um, so definitely a topic that's close to my heart at the minute. Um, so uh, for anyone who's kind of follows me through social media, you'll know that for the last kind of nine, ten months, um, I've pretty much been off of upper body training um, altogether um, due to just a, a really irritating kind of repetitive bout of um, golfer's elbow, uh, which if you don't know what golfer's elbow is, it's just a, a pain um, up the medial, so the inside of the elbow, um, and kind of just brought on by um, a lot of training kind of paired with um uh basically doing a job where the the whole you know goal well not the whole goal the whole um uh part of that is lifting weights um pretty much all day every day you know helping people move things about and um yeah the kind of repetitive nature of that just just led to some wear and tear um and unfortunately it took a, a hell of a long time to um to kind of subside so um, alongside obviously not doing any kind of upper body training there was uh, of course the the muscle tissue loss um, across the upper body from that I know anyone who um, has had kind of golfers or tennis elbow you know will know how frustrating it is um, literally everything feels fine apart from that one little area and uh, obviously it's really difficult to uh, um, kind of train upper body when you're unable to lift any weights up, you know, whatsoever with one side. So it was a, uh, yeah, a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, definitely uh, uh, very humbling to see the whole body shrivel up into <laughs> nothingness. Yeah. Um, but the the one good thing is that it gave me plenty of time um, to focus on training my legs. Um, so up, I've basically. yeah, so I've gone from kind of like the um, upside down triangle to an actual like a normal triangle um so I've, I'm, I've become like the don't skip torso guy um torso day guy so yeah that's kind of the situation i'm i'm currently in um however uh due to giving it the the rest and recovery it needed um kind of rehabbing it back with uh certain strengthening exercises for my wrist flexors and um working on my mobility uh in my uh, my shoulders especially with external rotation it's it's definitely come on quite a lot and i'm now in the position where i can actually return to um to what i love again so actually return to lifting some weights and um basically being upper body day um, guy again yeah definitely and I, I can certainly emphasize a hell of a lot more with your situation where you're kind of forced into that position where you physically couldn't train upper body um, unlike numb nuts over here who voluntarily decided he wanted to look like a 12 year old boy again and 
completely well not completely stopped training but obviously my focus is switched now with the endurance training preparing for the Ironman in July and so with that obviously my my specificity in terms of the training that I'm doing has to kind of focus on uh, a lot more cardio training and I just physically can't fit in the amount of volume I need to retain tissue up top um, and that has obviously left uh, me kind of you know a little bit smaller um, definitely losing tissue and I, it's it's visible now people people do comment on it the bastards uh, which isn't very nice <laughs> but um, it's to be expected and I'm kind of fit for purpose currently but um, it's a very very frustrating thing and so I can of course empathize with anyone who is is going through an injury and is probably you know looking a little bit smaller in the mirror finding that their clothes aren't fitting the same um, and that's why we really wanted to talk about this and kind of explain to you guys and maybe actually show you a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel if you like with regards to what will potentially happen um, in the weeks preceding mm -hmm. your injury and getting back into training and and what you can expect over the kind of the recovery period i guess um yeah so I, is, sorry is this the first time you've um, it's the first time you've been kind of in a like a bit of a detrained state um, in your kind of lifting career. Have you ever had any issues, like especially with like injury or anything in the past? No, hundred percent. This is the um, the first time that I've been detrained. Um, I haven't had any sort of serious injuries that stopped me from training previously, so it's all very new for me. And my, my my physique has definitely progressed year on year on year on year. So to see um, it backsliding is um it is quite difficult to kind of accept especially you know we'll both happily admit we're pretty not vain guys but we we enjoy having a certain amount of muscle and looking a certain way um so it is quite it is quite difficult it definitely is um but you know having kind of looked at the research and seen for our own eyes what happens in guys who are detrained and get back into training which we'll obviously discuss in a minute um i'm very hopeful for the future and i'm not i'm not losing sleep over it yeah i mean to be fair i'm kind of i'm not lucky i mean in fact i'm the opposite of lucky but that i've had um uh, back when i was what was it probably about three years ago so um a bit newer to the whole training thing um i had a, a quite bad rotator cuff tear and um that put me out of training sort of chest uh completely for about um sort of four months and uh Obviously, after I returned to the training again, I, I kind of experienced it for myself, you know, that coming out of that injured, detrained state. And so I kind of, I know to sort of trust it again. I know it's going to come back because it did before, you know. So, but if you've never had that before, it can be difficult because it's kind of like, oh my God, is this ever going to come back? Um, so, you know, it's cool to be able to have experienced it, but it's nice now to know, um, especially with some of the newer studies coming out, some of the reasons why they think this is. Um, so, I mean, essentially, the way that it's always been um, explained, I've always kind of heard of it mentioned is is a something called muscle memory. Um, and, you know, I would I would have always kind of thought of that as a bit like a bit of a like bro term. Maybe it was a bit made up. Maybe there wasn't quite much to it. Um, but it does certainly seem that, you know, muscle memory is kind of a thing, whether you want to term it that or something else, really. Um, so it's quite interesting to know kind of why this is really. And it's all kind of theory based at, at the minute from what I can um, can see and what I've read. Um, but it certainly seems to be to do with um, what's called the myonuclei um, in uh, muscle cells. Um, so essentially, if we can kind of think of these as being um, almost kind of like powerhouses of the cells um, and uh, essentially um, what happens 
uh, when you sort of grow new muscle tissue um, is you can actually increase the amount of these myonuclei, these nucleus, which is in, in the cell. And because you have more of them in, in the cell, you can increase the actual volume, so the area of the cell. And I came up with a, a bit of an analogy to try and explain this almost to myself uh, as much as anything. Um, but I knew that, you know, when I was reading things, I was like, this, this is deep. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. getting in quite deep. So the way I've kind of um, uh, kind of analogized it um, is to think of uh, nuclei as, as being fitness instructors in a class. Um, so let's say the class starts with one instructor and 10 people. Um, so you've got one instructor, one nuclei within the muscle cell. As the class gets more popular, uh, more people join. And then another instructor, so another nuclei, is taken within the cell. So it's, you know, if you were saying it was an instructor, it would be employed. And then another and another and another. And the class can just grow, you know, and um, essentially more nuclei means more capacity for um, muscle growth. Um, then as the class starts losing, say, popularity, it might be Christmas, it might be just a, a kind of off time for it, the muscle size would drop. But let's say the nuclei, the, the instructors still hang around um, whilst the kind of smaller class is going on. And then as it regains its popularity, the instructors are there already, they're waiting, um, and the class can grow much quicker again, and therefore the muscle can grow much quicker again. So that's kind of the analogy that I kind of looked at as okay cool this is this is essentially what seems to happen with it i love that that's, um, that's a really obviously at the moment sorry i was going to say i love that because it's just such a really um kind of easy way of kind of imagining what's happening within the cell there um and obviously in real terms i mean what's happening is you know we're essentially uh, detraining so we're kind of losing that stimulus that's allowing us to build build tissue or at least retain it um, and so although we're, we're kind of received, we're experiencing some atrophy, we're losing muscle tissue, the myonuclei, which like you said, are those kind of powerhouses within the cell are sticking around. And then when we get back into training, our capacity and our, our ability to build new tissue is, is already, um, at a higher, higher level because we've already built that myonuclei and we don't necessarily lose those. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like there's, you know, even alongside this, if you're thinking from a kind of neuromuscular so kind of brain to muscle um respect if you've previously learned form on an exercise you know what kind of good form is and things like that you already return to training in a position of being able to kind of maximally recruit a muscle um typically as well you kind of know how to achieve that mind muscle connection if you've you know attained some good growth in the past you've done a training for a decent period of time so you you kind of know how to really activate uh, a muscle as well um, and when you kind of put all these things together, it, it certainly makes sense why growing muscle tissue back would just be so much easier um, than when you first step into a gym. You've never, you know, never touched a weight, never grown any muscle yeah. from training um, and you, you're learning new movements. So it's kind of it. I don't know about you, but it gives me comfort yeah. knowing these kind of things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, it, it's nice to know that I'm not literally stepping back to to, you know, um, square one. Um, obviously you can see it in yourself as well. Like it's crap to see the muscle mass lose, you know, be lost, but I'm not exactly starting from a position of, you know, when I first stepped in the gym when I was 16 years old. So, um, God, I've been, I've been training now for 13 years. It's crazy. It makes you feel so old, doesn't it? Um, and I think just, just touching on, um, what you were talking there about kind of, um, neurological pathways and learning exercises. And of course, a lot of that will stick around, um, 
so that's obviously sticking around in the, in the brain and we can kind of re-tap into that and it's something that we've already learned and we we kind of lose that almost novice stage of lifting where we're we are learning movements we are learning how to squat how to deadlift and we already have that and we can tap into that um, which is obviously something that will aid in speeding up the the process of rebuilding tissue but also things surely like um, just your general knowledge and experience you must find now Adam that when you get back or now that you are getting back into training yes you have these quote-unquote newbie gains or you're experiencing them to some extent but you can apply all the knowledge and experience that you have on 13 years of lifting with newbie gains, could you potentially see even quicker progress? Um, and could this actually be a benefit or does it not necessarily work like that? Yeah, it's, it's funny actually, because I'd, I'd like to think that that will be the case because um, I can kind of build momentum quite nicely. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of know now how to, to manage my recovery a lot better what things I kind of want to, to focus on um, and uh, and kind of how to set up exercises because I know that what's, you know, kind of works well for my, my frame, my structure, um, what kind of things I can tolerate. And, and then also with the kind of nutrition side of things, I'm in a much better position to kind of, um, you know, set up a, a program uh, that's, you know, um, realistic um, progressive, achievable, and, and and you know that alongside some newbie gains, I'm kind of definitely seeing really really good momentum right now. So this might be a good time actually to talk about um, how how we would look to approach our training in these you know first initial stages of, of coming back into it. Um, so I know for yourself, <laughs> um, obviously it's is it June? Is that right? End of uh, June July. that you're July. doing your July, sorry, mate, um, that you're you're doing your Ironman. So um, obviously at the minute you're still kind of trying to hit, like I would say, it was two total body sessions a week yeah. roughly. Yeah. Yeah, so, so some sort of maintenance volume there. But obviously when you um, you start going back into to training like a, a bodybuilder again um, and get a good amount of days in the gym, um, kind of what are the initial things that you are going to – you're going to look to um, to adjust. What things you're going to look to focus on? Um, so maybe maybe an idea starting with actual uh, like working volumes um, across yeah. certain muscle groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess there's kind of two approaches that you could take really, and it's largely dependent on kind of when you take into consideration the cost, risk, kind of reward um, scenario. So I mean, I could quite easily um, try and maximise this this time period that we spoke about of almost heightened gains and you know returning from injury or returning from being detrained and using that momentum to make really quick progress and get back to where you were as quick as possible um, but obviously with that and returning with lots and lots of um, you know working sets and volume increases your risk of injury um, it, you know it's that is the risk I guess um, alternatively what I could do is take a much more moderate approach to um, how I get back into my training I could do something as simple as increasing my frequency to something like mm -hmm. three, three sessions per week and that's going to yield massive results straight off the bat and I don't even really have to do too much um, yeah. so I guess the approach that I take will be largely dependent on am I willing to risk um, injuring myself um, for the potential uh, quicker gains or should I potentially maybe take a more moderate approach and, and, and still make great progress in a short amount of time, um, but maybe not potentially as quickly? It's that whole, um, you know, you can do 
eighty percent. You can do sort of eighty um, percent of the work for for you know maybe seventy percent of the progress, or you can try and do a hundred percent of the work and maybe make seventy five percent progress. You know, in terms of speed of returning back to mm-hmm. where you were. So you really kind of have to weigh that up, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well is it's always important to remember that. that um, you know, when it comes to growing muscle, it's literally just adapting to a stress. Yeah. And, you know, I know that my arms have had zero volume for, you know, nearly a, getting on for a year now. Um, so to go in and hit like an arm day, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I can't remember the last time I hit an actual arm day anyway, but, you know, to go in and hit four, four exercises on biceps in a session would just be, you know, so unneeded, so completely pointless. Um, so, I, I mean, from returning into training myself, like my volumes on my arms, actual direct work on my arms, I'm giving them two to three sets a week. Um, You know, obviously they'll get indirect work um, with my my, my pulling movements, my biceps, but um, you know, in terms of like actual direct work, I'm, I'm feeling gassed out on two to three sets on my arms. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm getting like insane, insane doms, insane pump um, from just doing that little. and so I know that why do more uh, when I can achieve the same amount with less, yeah. um, you know, and, and uh, as, as you mentioned there, kind of you've been doing, say, two total body sessions a week, you know, for yourself, a, a step up in volume when you, you come back out of Ironman training would be three total body sessions a week. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so it's really always really tempting to go back in you know, really um, smash it up again. Now you're feeling feeling good, but there's a kind of, like you said, a risk reward to that. Um, you know, it's at the end of the day, we've got to make our stresses manageable. And what I can grow off now is so much less than what I could grow off a year ago, you know, just because I'm completely different position. Yeah, but is it fair to say, Adam, um, and do you think it's fair to say that, yes, you might potentially be able to, grow off a lot less volume now um because you're you're still doing you know mark a marked amount more than what you have been doing but could you Mm -hmm. could you potentially um make more progress in a shorter space of time if you potentially did more is that is that true or or is it a case of you know you're just kind of um making adaptations to a new stimulus and so um, you're kind of capped or you have a, a, a ceiling mm-hmm. somewhat genetically in how much progress you can make in a, in a space of time. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's kind of that whole stress v recovery. Um, like if I put myself into such a big hole with um, extreme high amounts of training volume, um, I could be using up pretty much all my powers of recovery just to bring myself back to kind of almost like a baseline position. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if you saw, um, it was the study, it was actually in mass, um, and it was comparing five sets of 10 versus 10 sets of 10, mm-hmm. um, and they found the group doing five sets of 10 actually made better gains than the group doing the German volume training. Yeah. Um, and you know the way I look at that is it's, you know, that German volume training group put themselves in such a big hole with so much volume that you know most of their recovery was going just to bring themselves back up to a kind of baseline. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's always a, a case of assessing really how much how much stress you can recover from at, at each individual time, yeah. and it's only something that can be done reactively. Like I can only do do so much and then assess afterwards yeah. 
and then adjust from then. Yeah. Um, I can't, you know, you can't proactively just go, I'm going to recover from this much volume. Yeah. That's going to call, you know, make me grow. Um, and I'd much rather start small yeah. and go, cool, that worked, but I still feel well recovered. I'll do a little bit more and, yeah. you know, do a little bit more than go, shit, I did too much. Yeah. I'm going to have to back off again, yeah. retest. So, you know, I'd much rather start uh, at a lower position with some effective work and then kind of build build from there really and um but no it's you know it's definitely a good point really yeah. um, um i think it's remembering sorry dude go on. yeah i was just saying i think it's remembering that um you know this isn't something i'm planning to just do for another year like you know i'm planning to be lifting until i'm you know well into old age so it's kind of like it's in the grand scheme of things a year is you know nothing is it at the end of the day that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, as soon as you kind of think of things with that mentality and mindset, you, you lose that urgency to just like hammer the nail, like you say. And mm. this game, what I've started to realize now, also kind of in my sort of 12th, 13th year of lifting is longevity and consistency will trump everything in terms of, you know, you can try all these little different uh, fad training programs and, and all that kind of stuff. But actually just being consistent with your training for as long as you can will yield the best results. And so having that mentality mm -hmm. of let's just bring our foot off the gas slightly um, and actually think bigger picture will definitely um, provide some better progress in the long run. And, and one thing I wanted to talk yeah. about, Adam, was um, we obviously talked about structuring training there um, and what we might potentially do when we return from injury with training. Obviously, nutrition is going to play a huge part of um uh, what happens and how we progress in these subsequent weeks um, and the way that I look at it is again there's probably two approaches that you could take and you could probably label them moderate and kind of I wouldn't say extreme that sounds extreme saying extreme mm -hmm. but um, you could either you know go into a surplus of calories and again really capitalize on you know getting that momentum getting back into training which will obviously really help with recover recoverability etc um, or you could kind of minimize fat gain and, and sit at probably maintenance calories, would you say? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something I've thought quite a lot about now. I am uh, returning to training. I actually did a little post um, uh, the other day on my um, my Instagram um, just about how I'm kind, kind of currently uh, going going with things and how I'm feeling about it. So um, the first thing is, is that I don't feel that a surplus is needed um, for myself right now, um, just because uh, I was carrying a little bit, little bit of extra body fat. So, you know, whilst the legs um, improved, the upper body kind of definitely changed composition in that, um, you know, fat body fat levels went up in the upper body, um, muscle tissue was lost, and so I'm kind of holding a, a nice, healthy amount of body fat that I really don't think I need to be in a, a big, you know, surplus of calories at all. Um, I definitely think I can see quite some, you know, some really good recomp um, going on right now without having to kind of push scales um, up weekly. Um, so I've kind of, yeah, I flitted between, you know, maintenance, extremely, extremely small surplus. Um, the the main thing I've noticed from coming back to training is just how much my hunger has flown up. Um, and to me, that kind of uh, that. I, to, you know to me in my head i think that shows that there's definitely an extra need um for for some calories for, for the protein for the recovery process um you know so i'm definitely not uh trying to eat into like a, a deficit um but uh 
I'm in that kind of position where we've all had clients that have approached us and they've previously you know, done some training in the past. They've had a great physique and they just kind of let it go a little bit, put them in a deficit and they still gain muscle tissue. You know what I mean? They still like blow up really the muscle size and they get leaner and leaner. And these are typically going to be the people that you will see that, um, you know, they're when they're doing transformations and they're advertising products and things like that. You'll see someone and you'll go, Jesus, like that guy has got shredded and put on serious muscle mass. Um, and if they're not a beginner, it's because they've, you know, they've come from a period of not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I'm kind of looking at myself as as that right now. I'm eating at maintenance, but I'm getting leaner yeah. and getting bigger. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I don't see any need to kind of, um, look to increase body fatness, um, alongside obviously putting on muscle tissue, but I don't know what, I mean, for yourself, obviously your, um, your weight came down very quickly, didn't it? At the start. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah I'm, go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, um, I mean, I can't say for certain now until I get to where I go, obviously, but, um, I'm kind of. At the minute, because I am, I am thinking about what I'm going to do, kind of post Iron Man, uh, and I'm of the thought process that I want to put as much tissue back on my bones as I can, as quickly as I can, and so I most mm -hmm. likely will go into a slight surplus. The thing is, is I'm probably starting in a different position to you in that I am pretty lean. I'm not very lean. It's it's a different kind of lean. It sounds hard to explain. You're like lean. You're proper lean through the leg again, aren't you? Yeah. But then like the, the, the legs. The upper. legs are very very lean. Um, the it's, it's strange. I think where I have obviously less tissue up top. Um, you know the kind of when I get in condition for a bodybuilding competition, for example. You know you have vascularity through the abdominals, through the arms, through the chest. Um, but where there's less tissue there, it's just it's just not as apparent. But I'm there's no way that I'm fat. Yeah. You know, I am pretty lean. Um, and so I'm going to take the view of just probably going into a slight surplus, um, like you say, very minimal. It's, it's not going to be crazy um, and just put on as much tissue as I can um, in the shortest time that I can uh, and just kind of build from there. Um, I, you know, I won't let it get out of hand, um, but I want to get to a good, you know, almost like how the recovery diet works, you know, getting yourself back mm -hmm. to a level where you've got a good amount of body fat on you. You can perform well in the gym. Um, you know, and everything's kind of ticking along nicely. That's the kind of position I want to be post Ironman. Yeah, I think, like you said there, it's having that um, body fatness level at the start to be in a good position, yeah. um, which is why I think for most people when they're in a bit of a massing phase is that initial surplus, especially if they start lean, that initial surplus is needed to get, you know, enough meat on their bones for, for cushioning, fuel their recovery um make sure kind of sex steroid home, uh, hormones aren't you know in the gutter which obviously happens after a, a comp prep and things like that or you know a, a long period of dieting mm -hmm. um but then once you get to a certain level of body fat there really is no need for more of a calorie surplus no. do you know what i mean yeah. um you, you know you've got plenty of energy available on in the body already yeah. um you know don't really need to push you know i wouldn't be getting a guy who's um 18% body fat to really push hard for 20%. You know, I don't think it's going to help his gains much more than just being a very, very small surplus or maintenance would. Yeah, so I, I guess that's a take-home point um, with regards to nutrition for guys who are detraining, getting back into things is it's very individual dependent. So 
if you're mm-hmm. if you're detrained but you're still relatively lean, potentially a slight surplus might be a good idea. And if you're detrained yeah. and you're probably carrying a little bit of excess body fat, then maintenance is just fine to kind of get you moving in the right direction and get things uh, working the way they should be. Um, but I guess also, and like you spoke about the the appetite thing and how your appetite has gone through the mm-hmm. roof. Obviously, as we start to gr- gain this tissue back at a rapid rate, um, our our kind of ability to take up nutrients such as carbohydrate will increase massively and i guess visibly that's something that aids that filling out your clothes again getting yeah as we put tissue on we also take up glycogen uh, more readily Mm -hmm. um, which will obviously aid us looking better and looking bigger Um, but is there anything that we should be kind of um, doing in particular with sort of macronutrients do you feel like should we um, put a greater emphasis on protein in this in this sort of period of time do you think maybe yeah i mean I, i've kept my protein intake um pretty much the same all the way even through um uh, from the injury and everything like that. I, I definitely had less a need for protein when i was um not training mm. um so my kind of turnover would have been much less because i wasn't breaking down as much because i wasn't training yeah. um so I, but i kept it basically the same just due to habit you know i just eat a certain way every day um which is why i kind of i didn't find it too difficult to kind of stay on track but maybe other people who had not built those habits might go ah oh, fuck it i'm not training so i don't care about my diet yeah. um so i was i was lucky in that respect really but um right now i'm setting protein um probably around about two two grams per pound uh, two grams per pound two grams per kilo um as a kind of minimum target um i probably still don't even need that much you know it's it's still a new it's a, a new stress again so i'm going to respond to it not you know no matter what really as long as my protein's not through the floor um i don't need to go too too silly with it um but uh especially eating you know not in a deficit so i mean i would i would say to people coming back from sort of detraining it is um just like you would at any other time during your training life you prioritize protein um alongside your um your calorie intake and then I would just go, you know, in terms of frequency, I would look at it as um, the same as you would look at a typical kind of person who's looking to kind of recomp a little bit, mm-hmm. keep meal frequency moderate to, to higher, um, you know, so I'd be looking at, at least, you know, three to six meals, spreading it out throughout the day quite nicely. Um, and then further than that, I don't think there's, you know, too much more that um, anyone needs to kind of worry about that the training is going to do most of the work you know with regaining muscle tissue definitely yeah um it's something that we didn't kind of uh, discuss pre actually coming on here but what do you what do you think about um kind of soft tissue so tendons ligaments are you are you kind of noticing anything with that obviously now that you're back lifting weights again are you seeing any issues that in that respect or mm-hmm. um definitely yeah i definitely feel um less sturdy um i would i would put it just through the muscles that haven't been getting as much use um you know there's there's i I don't think it definitely doesn't fall away in terms of the strength of it as quickly as the um, muscle mass would fall you know does fall away obviously i noticed my my strength is way down with with most movements um but i'm definitely more conscious and wary of it um i don't want to beat my kind of connective tissue into the ground um by really pushing things hard um so i'm being very very um, cautious and conservative with that um i'm I'm training 
at lower RPEs. Um, so I'm leaving a few more reps in the tank with each set. Um, you know, I might look to do maybe um, a set or two to failure in each session, but I'm using um, machine-based exercises to do that. Um, so a certain amount of, of safety with that, certain amount of um, fixed movement patterns. So I, I know that form, you know, as I fail, isn't going to be leading to any kind of injury or anything yeah. like that at all. Um, so, um, you know, that's that's kind of right now as well what's dictating my exercise selection a little bit. The exercises I'm really trying to focus progress on are more machine-based. Yeah. Um, so, so I've just got that that safety net there, you yeah. know what I mean? So do you feel like that's a good approach uh, where you, you almost build strength back up using maybe more machine-based exercises which have a low level of risk attached to them? Uh, before you kind of jump back into those yeah. big technical movements such as deadlifts, barbell squats, etc. Although you might be itching to kind of get back into that kind of stuff, it's maybe perhaps where you've mm -hmm. had so long off, not such a good idea to get back under a heavy barbell right now. Um, perhaps maybe build up some strength with like leg extensions and maybe single leg movements like split squats or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm lucky in that the legs have been able to be trained the whole way through, so they've been fine. But in terms of in terms of the um, uh, my upper body, um, I'm, it's definitely a safe way to return to training. I, I'm not trying to risk anything right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm being ultra cautious, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm I've brought things like you know bench press back in, but very light. Yeah. Um, it's even things like just taking the bar off the rack, you know, and, and bringing it into position. I'm obviously wary about, you know, making sure that I don't tweak something yeah. just in, in that position, do you know what I mean? So I'm going very light with movements like that, bringing them in because I want to obviously relearn the, the movement itself, yeah. um, you know, and uh, get a certain amount of kind of muscle damage with that as well. But then with movements, I'm pushing a bit harder. Yeah, I'm definitely kind of erring towards fixed machine-based exercises at the minute. Um, and I think... It, I think it's an approach that, to be honest, for most people, you can't really go wrong. I don't think that's that's ever going to be bad advice to someone to say when you're returning from injury, you know, maybe look to um, prioritize the movements you're really going to try and progress weight on as something that's a little bit safer, a little bit more fixed. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be very dependent upon the person and the injury that they've kind of had. Yeah. Um, you know, so with things like with things like shoulders, you know, I'd be saying to someone, okay, cool, maybe biggest movements keep fixed for a little while, and then build up strength in some of the smaller movements, like you said, yeah. some more sink joint um, exercises. Um, you know, but obviously for other body parts, it might not, you know, might not be the same. You know, it, there's only um, so many exercises. You know, if you've had um, issues with um, your back or whatever that you can kind of look to, to use for isolation in a normal gym. Do you know what I mean? Most gyms don't have a, a weight-loaded back hyperextension or anything like that. So, you know, you, you might be a bit limited. You might have to use yeah. bigger free-weight barbell exercises and just be cautious and build up slowly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I guess going forwards now, you will just be closely monitoring um, how you feel you're recovering from this injury, um, how it's kind of how this new training is impacting um, the recoverability of your your injury um, and where do you see where do you see a kind of an end to getting back into training and being back in training or or is it not or is it a bit more of a blurred line um oh, okay so like uh, the kind of yeah return to versus train proper yeah. training period yeah. um 
Yeah, I mean, right now every week is kind of getting closer to the like returning to training um, because I'm able to bring in certain exercises and I'm kind of at the end of my sessions I'm playing around with bringing in um, some movements that I've not been doing. Um, so I've still not brought things like deadlifts back in just because much higher load gripping is going to be um, you know a bit of a factor with that. I think I'll feel like I've properly returned to training when there's no exercises that I even think twice about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I can kind of go up to everything and go, cool, that's going to feel fine. That's going to feel fine. I can kind of push that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it may take um, months, you know what I mean? It may be another year before I really feel like that. Um, I hope it's not, God. Um, but, uh, but you know, I mean, it's 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 something that um, it gets better every week. You know what I mean? And and I know that even in this kind of just returning to training period, that everything's coming back. Um, so I'm not. Um, I haven't I haven't thought about it too much. But yeah, it's definitely. Um, I think it's going to be dependent upon how long you've been out for as well. Yeah. Like after having not really properly trained upper body in like um you know nearly a year hitting two sessions on upper body a week is a bit like almost for my like schedule as well now do you know what i mean a bit like this gym <laughs> stuff takes a long time doesn't it yeah, do you know? how am i gonna fit these two sessions a weekend this is ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's like i got a dog i've got you know sort out of clients i'm mine, like mine is on God. the contrary like when my iron man train comes yeah i'm gonna be like oh my god i have so much free time it's going to be absolutely yeah. incredible because i mean at the minute it's like you know two three hours on the bike maybe twice a week and then an hour in the pool maybe once or twice a week and then the, the long runs these are like taking over an hour um and it's yeah. just absolutely saps your time and that's the the biggest challenge i feel and i absolutely applaud anybody who does this on a regular basis because this is it for me never doing <laughs> any <laughs> ever again is just sapping the life out of me but um uh i just cannot wait one thing it has done and one thing that i've said and uh, on like my social media etc is it really has kind of ignited the flame for bodybuilding again for me and i'm sure it's the same for you where you've been forced to be out of training you kind of have that itch to get back in the gym and make progress again so i think yeah with, it's... I think a good point for like listeners is if you are going through this um just know that you, you will get back to training and or you know hopefully you'll get back to training and it really really does rekindle the flame doesn't it mm. yeah 100 percent. like all of a sudden motivation to get back in the gym and and like when you see that see that pump come back do you know what i mean and you're like oh there's a vein there like i remember that i haven't seen you in a while yeah um it it does make such a difference just thinking mate you could start a, a new category of bodybuilding class you could it could be like the the dual athlete, the Iron Man bodybuilder, and you can all step on all step on stage with your enormous legs, and then just just no upper. <laughs> What's the prerequisite? Like they have yep. to do like a some sort of endurance event prior to stepping on stage to prove that they are indeed. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I'll get that hooked up. Mate. Yeah, and it'll be and it. And it'll be the opposite of what like the the initial federations for men's physique were, in that the legs were covered. It'll be like the upper body's covered. <laughs> They'll just be like uh, one of those like Under Armour compression tops worn. Like uh, you got like a Batman up there and a Superman. You jest, and you can just they, they actually <laughs> came up with a, a category. And luckily, it never actually came to true fruition. But it was really in the pipeline, and they did a couple of shows with it. 
and it was almost like really? underneath men's physique and i think it was called beach body and they had the men's physique oh, shorts and then they had a vest on dude like literally they had a vest on <laughs> I, I just thought right oh, men's like, the thing is is men's physique when it first came you know into the spotlight it it got a lot of flack understandably for understandably so from a lot of bodybuilders but reality is now that we know that a lot of men's physique athletes do have good lower body development um, mm. but they're just potentially not big enough to compete in bodybuilding so um, that's yeah. absolutely fine and it is what it is and it's a great chance for everybody to step on stage but a vest it was just really yeah. ridiculous <laughs> like if you haven't seen it google it beach body competition oh, right. there's guys cutting around with gelled hair vests and beach shorts <laughs> on stage and it's just like what the fuck is going on anyway sorry oh, run over <laughs> the thing the thing about that is like based upon who you are you could probably diet for like two weeks and just get just lean through the arms and then that would be it it would be like right i'm done now sweet yeah. this is easy <laughs> yeah. I, might, I think i might have found my new category yeah sorted <laughs> um, so I think we we pretty much kind of um, nailed most of the stuff that I would have liked to talk about there is there anything else that you can think of um, that might be of kind of relevance or interest to the listeners with regards to returning to training ads or um, I think maybe just deloading frequency oh, right. um, yeah, cool. so so how uh, how often I just I'm just looking to kind of deload um, if you never done a deload before and i know probably a lot of people listening will be like what the fuck is a deload like that just sounds you know what i mean like it sounds pansy yeah. um but uh i mean it's um it's definitely something that should you know i think really you know in my personal opinion should be utilized um you know semi-frequently um to just help drop training stress and right now obviously all training stress is a, is a new training stress for me mm-hmm. um and I want to keep momentum, so I'm I'm sort of deloading um, every four weeks at the minute. So I do three weeks of progressively um, harder training, and then the fourth week is more just kind of like, okay, cool, let's you know let the body recover a little bit, let's bring volumes down. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing at the minute. Every kind of four weeks, I'm just um, being cautious, and then that will probably be extended out as I as I return to proper training. I'll start going, you know five weeks probably maximum six weeks yeah. before i'd look to kind of deload a little bit um so that's the only thing really i was gonna um just kind of expand on was that you know just just uh paying attention to my recovery a little bit more at the minute so probably worth mentioning on the on the point of deloading that you're using that as a kind of a preventative measure as opposed to a reactive measure to like an increase of fatigue and stress so um yeah you, you, you're more than yeah. likely if you are returning to training and you you get into maybe like Adam said with his recommendations of week four, you might potentially not feel like you necessarily need to drop volume down in your training week, but it's obviously meant to be a preventative measure as opposed to a reactive measure. So the kind of um, mm. planning ahead as opposed to waiting for that fatigue to build up and, and then being a bit reactive. Yeah. And that'll be the thing that will take the most self-discipline like by far because um, my body feels like fine this week um but i'm still making myself deload it do you know so um i've kind of like used this week i'm doing much more like mobility work um i'm actually added i've actually added in some core work amazingly enough um, for the first yeah i know that's like yeah but that's you can tell motivations back i'm actually like making myself 
um, do some core work. But um, just because I want to spend some gym time in the gym, like yeah. that's unreal. I mean, that will go again very quickly. Like I'll be, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be over that within about uh, two, three weeks. But um, back to doing uh, but yeah, yeah, past the calf machine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> do you know what? That's the one thing I've still not returned to. I think I'll, I'll I'll feel like I've properly returned to training when I walk past the calf machine um, and and go and hit some curls. That's when I know I'm training again. Awesome, good markers. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's me done, mate. That's that's me uh, me me tapped out. Sweet. I think that was a pretty good chat, and hopefully, um, you guys listening. Could have could have gained something from that if you are going through an injury um, or you know if you see this pop up and you you know you kind of you're going through an injury or you're just coming out the back end of one. Hopefully this can give you some information on what you should be doing, kind of returning to training. Um, and I think Adam and I, and I'm sure we've probably said this a million times in the past, um, but we really do need to be a bit more consistent with these podcasts. It's just <laughs> marrying up our diaries. And yeah. this, in, in fact, this one nearly didn't happen. Um, what with dogs crying in the background and Skype not working, etc. So you should really feel yeah. privileged that we've managed to scrape <laughs> this one together. <laughs> um, I will be uploading. Uh, this uh, one. I think. Sorry, go on. I think now we just need to make no promises about when the next no. one's going to be. Yeah, and then any, just... anything that does happen is a beautiful surprise, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to be uploading this one to YouTube as well, guys. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher and you'd rather look at our beautiful faces. I do have a wonderful ginger tash at the minute, so please go ahead and check that out on YouTube. Um, it is a thing thing to behold right now. <laughs> We're one week in, okay, so don't pass too many judgments. Yeah, yeah, one week in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, well, thanks for listening. And as Adam said, we won't promise any dates, but we will endeavor to get some more podcasts out to you as soon as we can. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Team No Cavs Radio. Remember, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, progressive overload, and boom, anything is possible.